Welcome to a very special edition of the show. This is part four in a special series supporting National Spa Week here in the UK, which takes place from the 4th to the 11th of November 2019. Now, today we're talking all about the importance of commercial health and workplace wellness strategies. I'm joined by a special guest, and we are talking all about the stats involved in focusing on having workplace wellness strategies as part of your organization, no matter how big or small, and also looking at very practical ways that you can integrate workplace wellness into your business easily and without costing large sums of money. So let's stick that cassette in and get going. You're listening to The Beauty Business Podcast, now with over a quarter of a million downloads worldwide. This is the podcast for you if you run an independent beauty salon, skin clinic, or spa. I want to help you reach your business goals through simple, practical, and focused business information and advice. Now, if you're a regular listener of the show, then you might notice a slight difference in some of the episodes this week. You see, this week, The Beauty Business Podcast is supporting National Spa Week here in the UK. And this year, 2019, National Spa Week, run by the UK Spa Association is highlighting the importance of wellness in the workplace. To celebrate this, every day this week, we are releasing a brand new episode of the show, focusing on a different aspect of workplace wellness, how it can affect you, how it can affect your business, and most importantly, what you should be doing about it. And who am I? Well, my name is Adam Chatterley, and I'm your host here on the show, but also the current chairman of the UK Spar Association. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome back. You are joining me for day four of our special series of beauty business podcast episodes supporting National Spa Week and this year's topic, which is wellness in the workplace. Now, like I said there in the introduction, today's topic is commercial health and wellness in the workplace strategies. Now, it's very easy to talk about the importance of integrating this thing called wellness into our daily lives. And as part of that, into our work as well. But first of all, what exactly does that mean, this wellness thing? And other than the benefits to the individual themselves through better health and less stress and all those kind of things, is there really a noticeable, real, trackable benefit to the business itself as a whole? And on top of that, how can a smaller organization from something like an independent salon, even up to a five-star spa, actually and practically integrate wellness into their business. I mean, not everyone is Google and can have, you know, chill out rooms and sleep pods and slides in their offices, right? Well, today I'm joined by Natalie McMillan from McMillan and Associates. She's an expert on all things workplace wellness and has both studied the benefits and has been instrumental in implementing practical strategies into all kinds of different businesses. Now, today, Natalie gives us the lowdown on workplace wellness and some fantastic, simple strategies to make it part of your daily work and that of your team as well. Now, just as a reminder, these daily topics that we're discussing. The idea here is to introduce these subjects to you or maybe just, you know, expand a little bit more on what you may already know or think you know to pique your interest. If you'd like to know more about the topics themselves or if you'd just like to check out more information about National Spa Week and the other topics that we're covering and to get some additional resources like videos and articles on each topic, just go to spa-uk.org forward slash spa week. That's www.spa-uk.org forward slash spa week. Now, take a little time out of your day and join me for my conversation all about commercial health and workplace wellness strategies with Natalie McMillan. I would like to welcome onto the show Natalie McMillan. Welcome, Natalie. Hi, thank you, Adam. 
It's great to have you here. Now then, um, so as you know, we are in the middle of National Spa Week and we have picked the topic of wellness in the workplace for this week to talk about and introduce some new ideas. Now, and each day we've had a slightly different topic, but today, and the reason you're here, is we're talking about kind of practical workplace wellness strategies, why they matter, what they can, what you can do, uh, and all various things around there. But before we get into that, Natalie, could you just give us a bit of your background? Could you just tell us a bit more about you, how you've got so interested in this topic? And, uh, and yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, so my background is I've worked in HR for 15 years. Um, I've worked across a number of sectors, so manufacturing as well. Okay. Um, I worked in HR, I was an HR director and a chief executive. And health for me in particular were one of the front runners really in starting to look at wellness in the workplace. Um, not just in terms of looking after people, mm. but actually because it also made business sense and it had a direct link in how well patients were looked after. So I'd say the NHS was a front runner um, and being part of that, it really enabled me to see firsthand the importance of wellness in its broadest sense to really be a highly functioning business. I love that. And now, um, so now obviously you, you help people with that. Um, and that's part of what you do. Um, now, one thing I know that we're going to get on tremendously is when we, we had a little chat the other day just to kind of um, uh, say hello to each other because I've not met you before um, and just kind of plan out a few things to talk about. And you said you've got lots of stats on this topic. And you, anyone, I have. anyone who listens to this show at all knows that I'm a, a big fan of any sort of stats that we can get into. So first of all, then let's just Let's just really clarify what we're talking about here. What what exactly is, to you, workplace wellness strategies? Yeah, so I think there's kind of two elements to it um, from my point of view, and I'll keep it really simple. Um, there's an element of ensuring that people, when they're off sick, are able to come back to work well and to minimise the impact on the business. Mm. Um, and it would be unwise for us not to recognise that as part of wellness. Mm. Um, so I know you like stats, so let me give you one stat straight away Excellent. from the Office of National Statistics, which might surprise people. So in 2017, mm. 137 million days were lost to sickness in mm. the UK. Just in the UK. Wow. Just in the UK. Um, so I think that tells you why it's important. <laughs> um, that is on average about four and a half days for each person that's working in your business. So I think that, again, brings it home. Most reasons for people being off sick are common cold and cough, mm -hmm. MSK. So that's musculoskeletal, which is back pain right? Um, and mental health. And I don't think anybody listening will be surprised to hear that. We know yeah. mental health has, has really, really climbed up the agenda. Um, but well-being for me is about then taking it further and it being much more about preventative. And how do we keep people not just on not being sick, but actually being well and being the very best that they can be when they're in their workplace? So that's the two strands for me. And I like that because obviously we're going to have uh, a lot of employers, a lot of spas, spa directors, managers listening to this podcast. And I guess it's very easy just to kind of look at um, the sort of health of your employees as just how often can I keep them in the business and how much can I work them to a certain degree. Um, but, you know, the, one of the other things that you were mentioning is there's a direct correlation between, you know, how generally healthy your employees are and the actual success of the business, not just how much they're able to you know, stay in work every single day and, and not be off ill, but actually how well the business thrives, right? 
Exactly. So there are two um, really important leading experts for me, which I won't go into in great detail because it's a podcast, but people can go online. Yeah. One of those is a is um, a leading academic called Professor Michael West. Yeah. Uh, really easy to read articles, um, but he was able to show the direct correlation between uh, wellness in the workplace. It was in the NHS and mm-hmm. actually the outcomes for those um, hospitals, which saw a reduction in injuries at work, which are costly and okay. um, also led to improved patient outcomes, shorter stay in hospital, all of those things that would have impacted on the NHS as a business. And there's another example um, that I think is really good that hits home around the return on investment, because you're right, often people will think it's fluffy or it's a big cost. That's what I hear as well. (laughs) Um, But actually, um, the London School of Economics did a case study around the post office. Um, Now, it's big money the post office invested, and I'm not suggesting that the spas would necessarily have this amount of money, Mm -hmm. but they invested £45 million around a huge national wellbeing strategy initiatives and the London School of Economics um, evaluated it that that led to 225 million improvement and efficiency costs for the post office so that is fivefold on the investment so even if it isn't the big money in the spas that we're talking to think of it as five times return on your investment yeah, absolutely. So it's all relative. So if you if you were to invest, even you know, I think that the typical spa could look to invest on those kind of grounds, you know, 15, ten to fifteen thousand. But if that's going to return you, uh, quick maths in my head, somewhere in the region of like sixty thousand pounds, then you know, why why wouldn't you think of doing that? Exactly. And if I if I give a really simple example that I think translates into the spas, yeah. If you're looking after your staff well, they're coming to work, they're happy, they're in a good place, they're fulfilled, they're they're being the best that they can be. It makes sense, doesn't it, that if I'm then a customer coming into one of your spas, the person looking after me is smiling, is attentive, is on the money, all of that. So actually, I think it makes quite simple business sense as to why you'd want to look after people. And the other bit I wanted to talk about um, as well, Adam, is about recruitment and retention. Because I'm I'm sure um, the spa industry has the same challenges as, as many others. And actually, these days, particularly with the millennials and other people coming into your workforce, they will expect to have an employer that's going to be looking at them in terms of the whole person so are you valuing me what are you offering me are you an employer of choice and we know that wellness is a huge factor now in both keeping and attracting the right people into your business yeah that's been a bit of a theme running through a couple of the 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 episodes this week um now the other thing for me is is i guess (laughs) the this idea of wellness in the workplace you know a few years ago we heard of like the really massive corporations like of likes of Google and, and all of those who were kind of installing sleep rooms and, and chill out rooms and slides in reception and all those kind of things. You know, is that what it really is? Is that a bit gimmicky? Are there more practical things that, you know, a, a slightly more modest organisation could put in place? Yeah, definitely. And I have to say having a slide wouldn't necessarily be my choice. <laughs> and there are some really simple things that I think people can do that aren't particularly costly. So there's something about ensuring that your staff actually are taking breaks. 
So make sure that when they do a break, they're taking a break and that you have a suitable place for them to go mm. away from their usual work. Yeah. Um, I think I, t- I talked to you last time about um, the fact that I used to do walking meetings. You did, yeah, and I found that so, fascinating, yeah. Yeah, with some of my team. Um, and actually, they're great. So a walk around in the fresh air, yep. some exercise. And the other really surprising thing was we were more focused. So this goes back to the productivity. We mm. actually used our time far more efficiently. So that to me is a really simple one. If you've got any outdoor space, have you got any seats out there where your staff can just sit and have their lunch yeah. or sit outside and enjoy it? Spas will no doubt have grounds around some of them. If they yeah, don't, there'll be a park in the city. And um, Some other things that people have done is to provide um, fruit just once a month, so not necessarily every day. I get yeah. that's expensive, but fruit on one Friday in a month. So it's encouraging good habits for people. And um, we also set up, this was really successful where I worked before, and we set up what we called a wellbeing fund okay. um, where staff could just bid for it. It wasn't huge amounts of money. Um, on average, we paid about £25 for an initiative. But it was little things like people wanted to have mugs um, in the tea room because all the mugs were cracked. Right. Now, that's not something that people would necessarily think is important <laughs> to their staff, but actually it was. It was about when I have a cup of tea, I want a nice mug to have it out of. But it that. was up to them what they wanted to put in um, as a kind of bid for that money. And I don't think £25 is a huge amount. Some people got people to come in and do some yoga taster sessions. Um, So I think the wellbeing fund is is a really good idea. Um, Other things that people do is to give access to some apps. There's loads of apps online um, that don't necessarily cost money about mindfulness. Um, Might have heard of Headspace. That's That's probably one of the one of the best um, known. But again, that doesn't necessarily cost anything. And I also think in the spas, what are they already providing that they might want to provide to the staff? Mm. Um, They might already do it at a subsidised cost. Um, But do they encourage staff to use the gym facilities? Um, Do they encourage them in other ways? So I think there are a few kind of easy, practical things. And I would also encourage um, your employers to ask their staff to say we want to be doing um, initiatives around well-being, do you want to give us your ideas? Because arguably they'll know best what will help them to feel great in the workplace. Um, there is one other, if it's okay, just for me to pick up on, which is, around, which is around financial. So one of the big causes of stress for people is money worries. And I think often as employers, we don't think about doing anything around that. But you can ask the FSA to come in and do free courses, free sessions, and to help people around managing budgets and and where to access advice around debt. And again, that has huge impact. It does, yeah. Money is one of those things. It's such an emotive issue. And it's still certainly, certainly as Brits, we just don't talk about money. You know, it's one of those still slightly taboo subjects. And, and it can also be one of those that if you get in trouble, if you've had no kind of education in it before, it's very easy to bury your head in the sand. And, and that's only going to make it get worse and worse and worse. So it is one of those topics that I wish we, we did talk about a lot more and, um, and made it a lot less of a, a scary subject. So so people would get onto there. But there was a, a couple of points you picked up there and, and the mugs um, really rang home with me because there's there's kind of two types of of, of t- atypical spas that I see when it comes to the, the staff um, amenities rooms. There's sort of the smaller spa that might have a staff room 
um, that they go that staff typically go and eat in. And generally speaking, you find those are where everything else has been dumped because it's the only space that's kind of available that's easily out of the way. So you've usually got piles of boxes in there. There's various people's food. Some people haven't washed up, which is a huge, huge source of, you know, conflict in the workplace i've seen that before um, and then in other hotels in bigger hotels they've got things like canteens and i always notice this i've been to obviously many many hotels and you go from this kind of beautiful opulent reception area all of the public spaces are you know perfect and everything as soon as you go behind those doors everything was painted once when the hotel was opened magnolia and it's just been like scratched and scraped and there's chairs piled in the corner there's all the broken chairs and tables kind of along the corridors you have to kind of squeeze past them and that's just you know that's where the staff hang out and 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 that's not going to give a very good feeling to your staff is it it's not going to make them feel sort of loved and and all those kind of things so i'm a big fan of you know spend a bit of money on the places where your staff spend their time not with your clients because you want them to be happy so i think there's some really great suggestions there yeah, um, we, I did that when I was um, a governor at primary school, actually. And it was exactly what you've just said, Adam. We had a meeting in the staff room and I was actually quite shocked at just the chairs were falling apart. It was all torn. And so we said we need to do something about the staff room because we need to look after our teachers when they're coming in here. And what are we saying if we don't think enough of them? to give them a place where they sit and have their lunch for half an hour. Yeah. So yeah. I agree with you. The environment is is huge and it makes a big difference to people. And you mentioned there as well, uh, speaking to your employees, so employee engagement as well, you know, getting ideas from them. How successful in your opinion is that? Do you, do you tend to get, what sort of mix of sensible versus not particularly <laughs> useful suggestions does that come up with? <laughs> Um, well, when, certainly when we've done it, there, there have been one or two that were certainly a little <laughs> bit extravagant, shall we say. Um, I, I think the best example was a genuine about going away for a whole weekend um, on what sounded like a lovely shopping weekend and hotel stay over as a team to bond. Oh, that sounds uh, like a, which, a fabulous idea. It sounds wonderful, but it wasn't really affordable. And plus, yes. we'd have needed to do it for everyone. Um, but I have to say, gen generally, in my experience, people are quite sensible. And I think as long as when you're engaging, you're honest with people that we haven't got a fund of, Millions. you know, yeah. X amount, or we haven't got £50,000 to put towards it. If you're really honest about it and say, this is how much we've got to invest, mm. what are your thoughts on it? Then I think you'll find people will be largely creative. And they'll also respect the fact that you're asking them Often a big part of wellness and frustration that people have in, in their workplaces is feeling like nobody listens to them yeah. or that they don't have a voice. And that is a big part for causing people to feel frustrated and kind of emotional resilience. So I don't think your spouse should be worried about asking staff. Um, and equally, if they do get the slightly ridiculous then it's just about being honest isn't it and saying yeah. well that sounds wonderful I'd love to go to Paris for the weekend as well but we can't quite stretch to that one and in terms of asking your staff what are the most successful forums to do that how would how would you best approach that if you're in a, a smallish team of say I don't know somewhere between 20 and 40 people 
Yeah, so hopefully people are having regular team meetings anyway um, or one-to-ones. They might also have some internal social media mechanisms. We used to have um, kind of internal chat rooms. They're a great place. I was a chief exec, but anybody could drop me a line and I was part of that as well. I think it takes away some of the formality as well if you can do it in that way. Mm-hmm. But equally, um, set up an email that might be the, the wellness email and what are your ideas, send it here, and it's a central place. And I think the other thing is be really honest um, with your staff that you are doing something about well-being. We talk about well-being strategies, and I think it puts people off because they think, oh, that sounds like I've got to go and write this big, complex mm. strategy. We, well, you don't, do you, really? No. You could just write a paragraph or sentence about this is important to us because we want to look after our staff. These are four things we're going to do in the next year. I mean, strategies can be as simple as you want them to be, but also notice boards. Um, people do still use notice boards. Yep. We're not completely digital. <laughs> so put things up there and ask people to write suggestions and share it on everywhere that you can and get people talking about it. I love that. And it's not always a thing. It's not always a purchase that has to be made. I was speaking to you about one of the other um, interviews that we've done from this week. I, I forget exactly which day it's going out on. Um, but they were talking about the fact that they just offered staff a little bit more flexibility in terms of their holidays and lunch breaks and and various things like that. So it doesn't have to be a thing that physically costs money. It can just be a bit more trust uh, and responsibility given to the staff that makes them feel more valued. Um, again, bringing them more happiness in their work and enjoying coming to work in the workplace they work in. Yeah, I agree. I mean, flexible working is obviously a big issue, uh, but a big opportunity. And in lots of workplaces. And I think often people are a bit worried of flexible working Mm. and that we're not going to be able to do it. We've still got a service to provide. But I think really simple things like that, even just adjusting people's start times by 15 minutes can make a big difference because it's the pressure of them coming in. And I think the big thing about wellness is people bring their whole selves to work. We're we're not just a person who turns up at work and forgets everything else that's going on in our life. Like a robot, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I've always thought that about uh, arrival times because there's something just crazy to me. And I, and I get why it has to be this way or, or traditionally has had to be this way. But, you know, I, I live on the outskirts of a city and I'm very lucky that I, you know, I, I can often work from home. I have an office in my home and I can work from home. But occasionally when I do have to get somewhere, it's like, why is it that we all decide that nine o'clock is the time we have to be sat at our desks? Because that just creates this stress to start the day off with all in our cars and the tube and the buses and the trains you know if we just staggered that over an hour wouldn't it just make everyone's life a lot easier i know and everybody then leaves at five o'clock and we have the same issue coming coming back the other way so we end up stressed at the beginning of the day stressed at the end of the day it's just crazy isn't it I agree. Um, And it's often as well, when people make appointments, they tend to be, they always used to be on the hour. So that was another thing culturally. So uh, meetings might be nine, 10, and actually moving them to quarter past uh, was a really good thing that we did in our workplace. So our team meeting started at quarter past and finished on the hour. And again, it meant we actually worked more efficiently because everyone was always trying to get in for nine scurrying in late five minutes in disrupting so we just said let's start a quarter past and and that had a big impact on the way that people thought about it and and the other point of course adam is if people can work a bit more flexibly and not necessarily always at the same place of work it reduces pollution and that in itself has to be good for the general well-being of our population 
That's a very good point as well. Yeah, obviously. Okay, so what else have we got? Um, when we were talking the other day, we talked a little bit more about the the fact that physical well-being and mental well-being are obviously and have been proven now to be linked. Can you talk us a bit a bit more about that for us? Yes. Um, so hopefully um, people who are listening will be aware that physical and mental health, as you've just rightly said, are connected. The two go hand in hand. So simple things. I'll share again a personal um, example of mine, if that's Please. okay. Please, yeah, no, great. Um, so I started running about six years ago. Um, I don't necessarily know that I love it every time I go out to run, but every time I finish a run, I feel better. Okay. And we know that it releases endorphins. And um, it's very rare if you ask anyone after exercise if they feel worse um, because your body um, releases natural endorphins, you feel on a high. Mm -hmm. But then you also are getting physically fitter. Yeah. So you feel better, mentally you feel better, and physically you feel better. Um, and so that's the thing for me about things like walking meetings, getting people out and about, getting them active, encouraging them to have an active life will mean that their mental health is better as well. No, I, I, I get that. And I think there's one of the things, because most bars, let's face it, have some sort of fitness uh, facility attached to them in some way. Not all of them, but but most of them do, uh, even if it's just the pool. And there's a long time been this kind of, you know, the staff don't use the same facilities as, as the guests. And I've never really quite understood that. As long as the staff understand that it's a privilege that they're being given and they treat it with the same respect why shouldn't they use the same facilities i mean wouldn't that say great things to your clients that you know your staff are that healthy and, and love coming to work so much that they stay longer to use the facilities as well absolutely um i think that would be crazy to not use the asset and the resources that you've got you know we talk about costs mm. actually if you're a spa you've got that you're not paying a gym to provide the subsidized membership and i think as long as as you say as long as staff are aware that when they're using their those facilities they're still representing yep. the spa you know they're not they're not off duty in that sense are they nope. and then i think you're right and it's a privilege but equally thinking about how other people role model it so mm -hmm. if you're the manager what are you doing what are you showing your staff? Absolutely. You know, you've almost got to live and breathe, haven't you, what you're saying? Um, but can you do things together? Is it another way to socialise? Um, because we know that teams work better when they um, are connected, when they feel that they've got things in common. And the more you can do things socially together, the better. I mean, if you've got a pool... You could even do kind of funny little sports days, couldn't you? I've seen those done, you know, where you might have some races, maybe not when the guests are obviously in the pool. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, there, like, there are times, you know, not every spa is open 24 hours a day. So, yeah. you know, there are definitely times you could use it. There's all sorts of these little ideas, you know, using what you have, not spending huge amounts of money and going out, like you say, on trips to Paris, um, just to make the team work together. And it's all, the, it's all these things that we've kind of, I guess come out come out of the 80s and then the 90s you know we had sort of there was team building was big at, mm -hmm. in some decade and then um you know now it's leadership and it's all kind of the same thing that's all weaving together really isn't it it is i think it, it all overlaps it's all aligned it's ultimately about looking after your people being compassionate and I know I've said it before, but I'll say it again it's about getting the best out of your people so the best version of them is at work and I think that summing that up, the best version of your staff will ultimately create the best version of your business. Absolutely. Spot on. Excellent. Right. Thank you very much for your time today, Natalie. It's been wonderful speaking to you. Thank you for joining us. 
You're welcome. Thank you. I really enjoyed our conversation um, and I'm looking forward to hearing some of the other podcasts. Yeah, actually, I'll say they've been fascinating to do. They've been topics I wouldn't normally speak about on the the podcast, so it's been a real nice nice change to kind of have, have that in there. But I, I genuinely think that there is something in each one of these for every type of organisation, whether you know you are a, a solo esthetician right the way through to a sort of a, a maybe a multi-site spa owner or, or something like that. So, so yeah, please, please do listen to all the episodes in this week in this uh, little series that we're doing for National Spa Week. Um, and Natalie, if people want to find out a little bit more about you, maybe get in touch with you, find out more, where's the best place for them to kind of contact you? Um, so I'm, LinkedIn is usually what I use. I'm quite active on social media. Okay. Um, so I've got my LinkedIn profile that is on the website. Um, and equally, if people want to have a look at my website, it is Wicked HR, if they Google that. Awesome. Wicked HR. We'll put that in the uh, show notes pages um, if you want to look up all those links and all the other um, bits of software and stuff that we mentioned as well. But yeah, if you want to go find out more about Natalie, it's Wicked H- is it wickedhr.com or .co.uk? .co.uk. Excellent. Well, thank you again for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Really good chat and good luck to the spas. There we go. I hope our conversation there and all the topics we discussed has really given you more of a feel for this issue and maybe given you cause to go and look for a bit more information around it. Now, it was quite a short and sweet episode for you today with just enough stats and hopefully to, you know, get you interested and a few practical suggestions to get you started as well. Now, don't forget, for more information and expanded ideas on this topic, those wonderful folks over at the UK Spar Association have curated even more in the way of articles and videos and advice on today's page of the National Spar Week website just for you. Now you can head over there right now at www.spa-uk.org forward slash spa week. Now I'll give you that again because it's a little bit fiddly with that hyphen in the middle there. So are you listening? You paying attention? Yeah, it's www.spa-uk.org forward slash spa week. Now, if you're looking for the normal show notes for this episode, they can be found in the normal place at beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 71. Now, as I have all week, I will be back here again with you tomorrow where we'll be talking all about business health and you won't want to miss this one. I'm joined by Lopo Champolimo. I hope I pronounced that right. Co-founder and CEO of Treatwell. Uh, we're discussing the ways a business itself can be healthy and it's not all about whether it makes money and how much it makes either. We get into some really surprising areas of discussion and if you've never heard Lopo before, he's got some fantastic stories to share. So join me for my conversation with Lopo all about business health right here. I'll see you again tomorrow. Well, not see you, more like hear you. Well, I can't hear you, but you can hear me. Anyway, you get the idea.